When you hear us talk about preschool ministry and children's ministry, uh, most of us freeze and panic because the thought of being trapped in a small room with a room full of kids just will send us over the edge. What we don't do is take time to think about what happens in the life of that child. Uh, about what they hear when you don't think they're paying attention, about what they hold on to when you didn't think they heard you. Aaron Bryant, the pastor of the Avenue Ave South campus, started in the preschool ministry of Brentwood Baptist Church. That was where he was told who he was in Christ. That was where he was told to pay attention Christ was doing something in his life and would one day ask him to do something through his life. And so when the call came for Aaron, Aaron recognized the voice and has been living out that calling ever since. So the next time you hear someone talk to you about preschool ministry, children's ministry, understand that somewhere in that room Probably the rowdiest, most rambunctious one of all is the next pastor of one of our campuses. If you really want to get to know someone, have a meal with them. You know how it goes? Hey, let, let's meet up. Let, let's. Uh, uh, let's go to a restaurant, let's have a cup of coffee, and you know how it goes. You'll sit down, you'll talk about the restaurant, you'll talk about the menu and the food, you'll talk about uh, some of the dishes you have, uh, have had. That will bring up conversations about other restaurants, and if you're not from here, uh, then you will talk about one of the uh, restaurants you knew when you were growing up. And if you are on occasion, uh, with someone who is a native of Nashville, and every now and then you'll run into somebody who didn't move here from somewhere else, and you'll ask them where they grew up, and they will say, oh, we grew up off Old Hickory. <laughs> well, that narrows it down. Yeah. Then the conversation will start, well, tell me about yourself. How did you end up in Nashville? Did your job bring you here? Tell me about your marriage. Tell me about your kids. What are your hobbies? What do you enjoy? On and on the list will go. If you really want to know someone, have dinner with them. If you really want to know Jesus, have dinner with him. There are a lot of stories in the New Testament that talk about what happened over a meal. The conversations that happened, the revelations that Jesus brought to those who were sitting with him. So what is it now as we come to his table to take the bread and to take the cup that you will learn about Jesus? After all, if you want to know somebody, then have dinner with them. What's Jesus finding out about you? What are you finding out about you? He really wants to get to know someone. Have dinner with them. Mark tells us about that first Passover, or the last Passover with the disciples. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. You'll find it in chapter 14. 
On the first day of unleavened bread, when the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so that we may eat it? And so he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the city. A man will be carrying a jar of water, and, you, and there he will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, tell the owner of the house, the teacher, says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, and it's furnished and ready. So make the preparations for us there. So the disciples went out, entered the city, and found it just as Jesus had told them. And so they prepared the Passover. And when the evening came, he arrived with the twelve, and while they were reclining and eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one of you who was eating with me. And they became distressed, and they said to, me, to, to him one by one, Surely, surely not I. It is one of the twelve, Jesus said, the one who is dipping the bread in the bowl with me. For the Son of Man will, be, will go just as it, as it is written about him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him never to have been born. And as they were eating, he took bread and blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said, This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many. And I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And they became distressed and said to Jesus one by one, Is it me? This is God's word for God's people. Hear it. Believe it and live. Let's pray together. As you prepare the time and the place for you and your disciples, prepare this moment for you and us. That we may share the bread with you, that we may share the cup that we may know you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. <laughs> of course it is raining. My umbrella's in my car. <laughs> if I brought it in, it'd been sunshiny and, you know, blue sky and all that. It looks like Jesus would have given him something more to work with, right? Where are we going to do the Passover? There's a room waiting. Go find a man who's carrying a jar of water. And you're thinking, surely there had to be more than that. Well, not really. A man carrying a jar of water would not have been a usual thing. It was women who carried the water, not men. Jesus met the woman at the well. There were no men there. This was something that the woman would have done to prepare her day for her coming chores. A guy carrying water, well, that would have been a, a, a little unusual. He would have been easier to find than you think. And they found him. And they found the house. And they found the room. And they got everything ready. And everything was set. So Jesus and his disciples came to celebrate the Passover, that meal that Jesus wanted to share with his disciples to give it kind of a different meaning more than what is explained in Exodus 12 and 13 about 
coming out of Egypt's slavery into the freedom of the promised land more than the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood on the door. There was a lot more going on right now in this moment. The disciples wouldn't understand this not too much later. They knew something was up. Uh, they knew the noose was tightening around them. They knew that the political leaders and the religious leaders were running out of patience. Mark tells us early in his Gospels that the two had gotten together, the religious leaders and the political leaders, and they agreed that Jesus had to go. Now they were looking for a time and a place where he was alone, where the crowds wouldn't be there to protect him, and they could steal him away, kidnap him, and they could have him tried and executed before anybody had ever known, really knew what was going on. Everything was going great. They were having a great dinner together. And then Jesus said it. Uh, don't you think every now and then Jesus needed some kind of, of, of a political counselor or something? Uh, some kind of person who would be there going, okay, Jesus, I understand that's a good point. I understand you really want to say this, but not now. This is a good moment. Everybody's reclining. Everybody's comfortable. In the days of Jesus, you would sit lying, you would eat lying down. You would have your feet away from the table, your face would be toward the table, you'd be on your left elbow, and you would eat with your right hand. Everything in those days was finger food. And they were having a good evening, and then Jesus said it. Well, even if you're going to say it, don't say it like that. One of you guys is going to betray me. What? Yeah, one of you who are dipping the bread in the same bowl I'm dipping my bread in. All of them had done that. It's not me, is it? Now, does that strike you as a little weird? Each of them go to Jesus. Each of them kind of find their way to Jesus and go, Jesus, excuse me, it's not me, is it? Now, it looks to me if, like if you were going to betray Jesus, you would be the one who knew. Right? You wouldn't have to ask. What was it about this moment that every one of them had to ask? Because... If they weren't going to be the one who betrayed him, they had at least thought about it. You see, for all of them, they had been that moment, wherever it was, when Jesus had, had, had said that hard teaching. Remember, John tells us about a time when Jesus lays out some teaching and everybody walks away from Jesus, including some disciples. All of them had been somewhere where Jesus had said something, done something, and they had said in their hearts, I can't go there. I can't do that. Maybe they were disappointed that he wasn't going to be the kind of Messiah that they were looking for. And maybe they thought if they kind of worked the machinery a little bit that they could force Jesus into, into making a scene or changing the way he was handling things Maybe they had thought that they would just walk away and abandon Jesus. But every one of them has thought about it. 
That's why every one of them was scared. Now, we read this and we want to shout to the text, don't we? We want to sit out here like people in an old time movie who would yell at the screen. Remember those people? And we would go, Jesus, it's Judas! That guy, watch him! Jesus, Judas! And when Simon Peter comes over, we, go, we want to yell at Peter, Peter, who are you kidding? You're not brave. It's going to be a teenage girl that breaks you down, boy. It's Judas. It's Peter. It's you. It's me. Wherever you were, when the moment came and you didn't trust Jesus to know what to do, you thought you were smarter than Jesus. But come on, we've all been there, right? Here's the situation. Here's what Jesus says. What Jesus says is contrary to what most of the world would say or do in this situation. So we conclude things must have been different in the first, uh, first century. Things must have been different in that culture. But here in 21st century postmodern America, Jesus doesn't know how to make things work. Jesus doesn't know what he's doing. We'll do it our way. We won't trust Jesus. Now, we don't have time to go through all the stories of disaster that all of us have in those moments because we trusted ourselves more than we trusted Jesus. And in big ways, in small ways, we betrayed him. The popular sport in our culture now is to make fun of Christians and Christianity, to mock the teachings of Jesus, and we've all been there. We've all been in that little group when somebody said something and we didn't say anything back. We didn't stand up. Well, we didn't know what it would cost us. Listen, they killed Jesus. What do you think they'll do to us? So somebody makes the remark about Jesus not being God. Makes the remark about how anybody who would follow this silly myth is a fool, and you say nothing. I say nothing. Because it's easier just to blend in with the crowd who accuse him, who mock him. It's easier to betray him. If you really want to know someone, have dinner with them. And what Jesus found out about his disciples in that moment is that they were traitors all. And what we're finding out about ourselves right now is we're traitors too.
Each of us know the moment we would have done it. The price that we would have taken to sell Jesus out. But we did not gather here to hear all of our stories of betrayal. We did not come here to hear all the times that we have sold him out. We're here because here's what we have found out about Jesus. He's faithful to us. Even when we're not faithful to him. Yeah. We have sold him out countless times, but he never sold us out. In the scriptures, we're told that Satan is the adversary. He stands in the presence of God and brings judgment against God's people, points out to God all of our failures and faults. He doesn't lie about us. He doesn't have to. We give Satan enough to work with. But we're also told that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, our advocate, making intercession for us. And he never betrays us. So we welcome you to the Lord's table. Are you a traitor? (laughs) Me too. Traitors all. But we're going to take the bread. We're going to celebrate freedom. We're going to tell the story of when we remember when we were in our own Egypt, enslaved and couldn't get free. And Jesus came and found us. We're going to tell the story about the time the lamb was slain. And he marked us with his own blood. So that anybody who looks at us has to know we belong to him. His faithfulness to us, even when we betrayed him. The deacons have taken their place to serve you as they serve you now. Prepare your heart for the receiving of the cup and the bread. Lord Jesus, welcome us to your table. Not to remember all the times we failed or all the times we have betrayed you, but to remember all the times when you were faithful to us, when you could have 
betrayed us, but you didn't. You remained faithful to us even when it cost you the cross. So we come now and learn of your faithfulness to us, and we pray that in the sharing of the bread and cup, we would learn to be faithful to you. And we pray this in your name.